Cool Cast Podcast. I'm hey, Katie. Hey, hey, it's Fat Elvis. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back. <laughs> back again. Court yes, is back. He's back. Tell a friend. A fan. <laughs> Tell a fan. Tell a fan. Or a friend. I don't think Court has any fans. Um, I'm Katie Pickler, and I brought Court wins it back. That's right. Yes, I'm back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back for season two. Whoop! Oh, ladies and gentlemen, there's that opening bell you love so much. We're sophomores, y'all. Woo! Oh, yeah, everybody remember, Cam's got a mic now. Can I just take a moment? Cameron, cue the sappy music. Stay in your lane. I have had an incredible time with (laughs) y'all. It's been full of laughs. Oh, tears. We started this podcast not knowing what the heck we were doing. We still we don't. We still don't. That's right. <laughs> but we're having a lot of fun doing it. We have a hell of a time. The rest of the people in the office don't much like us, but we have fun, ladies and gentlemen. We let our freaky flag fly while we talk about finance and get feisty about some pop culture. <laughs> That's a lot of Fs. That is a lot of Fs. <laughs> that is an F load of Fs, Katie. <laughs> we have fans in Australia and China. What? In Colorado and Tennessee. (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. I had no idea about the the Australia fans. Oh, absolutely. Hmm. Of course. Well, so I hope you learned a lot from the last season. If you're just now joining us, you can go back and listen. They're Mm -hmm. still available. Absolutely. But uh, we are excited to start out season two. And Court, are we fulfilling some promises today? I mean, are we... Letting people finally hear an episode that we have been talking about for a very long time. Forever. Okay, people. Let me bottom line it for you like this. Um, Season two, first episode. The new year. It's 2021. We finally made it it out (laughs) of that whatever mess that you want to call 2020. That dumpster fire of 2020. We're 2021. uh, Episode one. We have been promising you an episode on collectibles since episode two of season one. So we're finally getting around to it. In case you haven't kept count, this is actually our 31st episode. So some 29 episodes later, we're actually (laughs) going to come through with our promise to give you an episode on collectibles. And, you know, basically... Is there an investment aspect to collectibles? That's that's sort of our angle here because we are a finance made simple podcast uh, infused with pop culture references. Mm-hmm. Finance made freaky fra- freaky flag Friday fancy. Nobody said anything about Friday. You're, just stop. That's my phrase. Quit trying to make it happen, Gretchen. Friday is just your quit, phrase. Quit. You're whatever. <laughs> Top five. We're going to talk about, it's quit our... trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> Top five. Okay, sorry. We want to talk about our personal collectibles, because both of us are big collectors. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we'd start top five, talk about what we collect, and then we're going to get into some crazy collectibles, and then let you know, is it an investment or not? So, Court, what are some of your top five collectibles? Okay, I have... Many, many collections. Some of them I've passed on to my kids already. Some of them I'll pass on when I die. Some of them he can't talk about on the podcast. Some of them I can't talk about on the podcast. Um, No, let's do. (laughs) I was going to say, thanks for throwing me under the bus there, Katie. Color me curious. Come on. (laughs) 
But uh, focus, of, boys. Focus. Of all my many, many collections, I'm giving you my top five favorite collections, the things that I'm most fond of. Okay, so for those of you that listen to our podcast in season one, you're probably aware of the fact that I have an affection for polar bears. Um, that is just a truth. It is something that will last forever and ever. Amen. Um, but what you don't know is that prior to my obsession with polar bears, I was actually obsessed with a different furry little creature, uh, the wolf. And like I, Jacob from Twilight? <laughs> no, no. He, he, Do you have much, shirtless pictures in your room, Court? Jacob, <laughs> Jacob gave wolves a bad name. Edward gave vampires a bad name. We're not going there. No, I'm talking about real, real wolves, or at least pictures, statues, paintings, uh, anything with uh, basically a wolf reference other than Jacob from Twilight, and it's probably in my collection. Please tell me. <laughs> you have an airbrushed wolf shirt from Panama City, you know, with the uh, like the collage where they're fading into each other on the, the mountain peak. Tank top, baby. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> sure I brought my brother that shirt, the whole like tie-dyed with the wolf, because you two should... Co- Compare collections. Except I, I, I didn't get mine in Panama City. I got it in Fort Walton Beach. But yeah. yeah. Oh. It's yeah. like from that store, like Romancing the Stone or whatever. Uh, Do y'all remember that? It would smell of incense, but it always had like really cool wolf things. That's where I would go to get presents for my brother because he <laughs> loves wolves. Fantastic. Okay. So I have a collection of basically anything wolf related. I've got wolf statues, wolf flasks, wolf lighters, wolf knives. Flask? Yeah, I've got a flask with a, a carving. It's carved into the into the, the the exterior of the flask, a picture of a wolf. It's really cool. Um, but basically anything that has a wolf on it or is a statue of a wolf, and it's probably in my collection. I love it. Um, and that sort of takes us sort of naturally into my number four. My number four t- favorite collection is flasks. Glug, 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 glug. Yeah, yeah. I love, I love, I, and, and it's one of those things where like I bought a couple just because I thought they were cool. I don't even actually carry a flask with me. Quite frankly, I, I find the amount of alcohol that flasks can hold somewhat uh, um, annoying. It's like, it's like, you know, but, um, so I don't really carry flask with me, but I do like them. I just, I, I, you know, they're, they're cool. They're, they're, you can see, you can see sort of the evolution of men carrying alcohol, uh, over the years through my flask collection. Okay. Got, so you're not talking like where people will be like collecting shot glasses from different locations. No. You're talking like historically like, accurate my mom is uh, or was a, an antique uh, dealer for a long time, and I bought a flask, one, and, um, you know, I, I can't remember. I, she, she probably said, like, hey, why do you have that flask? And I was like, oh, I think I'm collecting flasks. And she, so she she got it in her head. I was collecting flasks, and she started buying me, you know, whenever she came, ac- came across an antique flask, she would get it for me. Now, I also have new ones. I've got, like I said, the, the one with the picture of the wolf on it. It's actually, I bought it new. It was brand new out of a store. But, you know, I've got flasks as old as, like, 100 years old. And That's incredible. There's some really cool ones. We um, may have to post some of those pictures in our show notes, Pam. <laughs> Consider it done. Uh, and then um, next, my my next one would be, this would be number three, favorite collection of court is lighters. So we're going on, court's taking you down a, a, down a path of sin and debauchery, people. Fire, wolves. <laughs> Fire, wolves, alcohol. Blast, alcohol. <laughs> yes, Real <it's> man. <laughs> so um, I have a collection of lighters. It started off with, uh, I bought a... 
Zippo lighter. I, 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 I purchased it. I, I was thinking that I was purchasing it ironically. I bought a Zippo lighter from the Elvis uh, Presley gift shop at Graceland with Elvis's picture on it. Mm. And um, this was the first Zippo I ever bought. And much like with flasks, my mom said, gee, why do you have a Zippo lighter? And I wasn't going to say, well, because I'm obsessed with fire and I like to light things on fire, mom. So I was just like, oh, I'm collecting them now. And on a side note, that makes it easier. If you are a collector of something, gifts are so easy for somebody who collects stuff. That's true. These non-collector people, (coughs) aka my husband, what do you buy him? I do not know. I don't know. There's some psychopaths out there who don't collect anything. That's crazy. That's just crazy. I'm married to one. What's wrong with you people? What is wrong? Okay, I'm sorry for interrupting. Continue. Lighters. Okay, Okay. what's the next one? So lighters, and then um, the next one. I guess we're to number one. This is my this is my favorite collection. This is the 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 winner of all winners. No, I'm sorry. I've got two left. Um, So the first thing I ever collected was diecast cars. Diecast metal cars. I'm a big car freak. Obviously, couldn't afford the real thing, so I bought a bunch of diecast metal models. Are these like of Hot Wheels? No, no, no. These are these are I think twelve to one aspect ratio. So they're they're about the size of a. Uh, they come in a box that's about the size of a shoebox, and uh, it's all okay. sorts of exotic cars, uh, old, new. I mean, I've got them all. They're still they they are uh, they line the walls of my son's. Um, video editing room, his media room. Very nice. Um, yeah, and they're cool. And they're all kinds of cool cars. I wish I could collect cars like Jay Leno, but I can't. So I collect the, the die-cast metal cars instead. Uh, and then number one is, um, I mean, if y'all know me, then you know this is coming. But uh, my top favorite collection is comic books, obviously. I have a huge comic book collection I've been collecting since I was 10 or 11 or 12 or something like that. And... So, um, you know, I've, I've still got them all boxed, bagged, and boarded. Okay, so there are my top five. Uh, please feel free to reach out to me and ask me questions about the wolves. I'll be happy to answer them. <laughs> Katie, why don't you tell me about your top five? Okay, if you ever come and visit us at Pickler Wealth Advisors, you will know that I come from a family of collectors. My and mom, really, my really, dad. if you haven't come to visit us at Pickler Wealth Advisors, I think the question is... Why Why? So there is a lot of collections I've had over the years, and there is a lot that I will continue to have. And then when, you know, certain family members pass away, which I hope is no time soon, I will inherit a lot of collections. But some of the ones that, I don't know if they're necessarily my top five, because I've had a lot. Um, Let's go with, you know, number five. I'm a huge collector of all things dance related. Dance was such an important part of my life. I danced for 15 years, and so I have a ton of paintings and pictures and figurines and stuff of all different kinds of dancer things and ballet shoes, and just it means a lot to me and brings back happy memories. So you will always see something dance-related in my house. Number two, uh, I'm a big Disney fan. I know. You're all yes, rolling your eyes. You are. You know. <laughs> Uh, but I do have friends that are more Disney fans than I am. No, you don't. Yes, I do. You couldn't possibly. So I collect... Although, uh, I wonder about David Pickler. I oh, think he yeah. might be just as big a Disney fan as you are. Yes. He certainly likes the theme parks. But I'm definitely a bandwagoner of Disney collectibles. And mm. so they've gotten smart. You know, Disney smart, trying to mm-hmm. make money. They create different theme things to collect each year. And so one of my favorite ones is they created these... They're actually ornaments, but I have them displayed... And they look like little high heels, but they're heels that represent each of the Disney characters. So it's like a heel inspired by Ursula or Edna from Monsters, Inc. or Sully or something like that. 
and they're very cool. Now, they would be even cooler if they were real size and I could wear them to work. Yes, I can see you having, all of a sudden, if you had real size shoes that you could wear to work that were Disney themed, all of a sudden there would be a day at work that was the Disney shoe day. (laughs) Well, of course, that would happen. I I could see you in glass slippers in a client meeting. Yeah, I mean, hello, Cinderella had good goals. We can all learn from that. Okay, (laughs) Tell us your next. Number three, uh, so I grew up around Madame Alexander dolls. This was something that my dad and mom did for me. It was from when I was a baby. I had the Madame Alexander doll baby dolls. Mm -hmm. And then for birthdays and Christmas and big accomplishments, I would always get a doll. And so I would keep collecting them and they would be, you know, graduation themed or dance theme. And I loved them very much. That's tough for a kid to have Madame Alexander dolls though, because those are look, don't touch. Well, so in my family, and I realized this is a family phrase because I thought other people said it and they looked at me like they had no idea what I was talking about. We actually called them look-upon dolls. <laughs> so mom had these gorgeous that... like Princess Di dolls and I had my Madame Alexander. So they were dolls that you looked and didn't touch. Mm-hmm. You just looked upon them. And then you had your play dolls. That explains why in your notes, I'm looking over at your notes and it says, look-upon dolls. And I was thinking that you were going to have a whole section that was like, Ladies and gentlemen, look upon dolls. And I was I was just waiting for it. So that that explains. No, it, it's you know, I and it was like American Girl dolls. I had a certain American Girl doll that I could play with, but I still had to play gently with it. Like I could change her clothes, mm. but I couldn't, you know, I still had to keep her integrity, like not mess her hair up. Yeah, see my daughter did not have Madame Alexander dolls. She had American Girl dolls and I hate them for a reason. First of all, they're about what Six, seven times as large as Madame yes, Alexander, which means that if you've got more than a few, they take up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you can take their hair down and it drove And it me, never goes back. It never goes back. <laughs> it drove me absolutely crazy. First, Kirsten's braids. First thing out of the box, my daughter gets Kirsten and takes those braids down and it never, she was just never the same. Kirsten was never the same. Mm-mm. Thank you for joining our TED Talk on dolls. <laughs> Okay, next. Okay. Moving on. My next one, um, I sports memorabilia. Mm-hmm. So I really think this started out on my dad had so much sports memorabilia that he, my mom was kind of getting on to him about it. That He's like, oh, well, no, I'm giving this to Katie. And so that's where I started getting the Dallas Cowboys fan and a St. Louis Cardinals fan. So I've got a lot of Cowboys and Cardinals related baseball bats and balls and football helmets and Starting to get my own collection now. I did marry a Braves fan, so I've got to, you know. Oh, if you Lord. come in my house, you can see, like, the Braves stuff is, like, hidden up on a shelf. The Cardinals stuff is loud and proud, baby. It's up everywhere. Mm. So it might be a little biased. Sorry. <laughs> uh, my last one would generalize be uh, memorabilia. I love, especially movie and TV show memorabilia. I, mean, I was going to say, can you narrow that down a little bit? Because, like, that's like saying my last favorite collection is collectibles. <laughs> well, so it's one of those, like, growing up, I loved Marilyn Monroe, and I still do very much love Miss Monroe. I actually named my cat Monroe after mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe. But uh, I have a very cool picture, and it is the mugshot of Marilyn Monroe, but it's got her with DiMaggio last name because of Joe DiMaggio. So there's merging my Marilyn Monroe love and sports. Mm-hmm. But the coolest memorabilia is, I mean, I've got some movie posters by Charlie Sheen, uh, from Major League, so mm-hmm. again, baseball movies. Yeah. 
the coolest one is definitely my Alice Cooper signed skull. <laughs> and this was, he came to the Orpheum in Memphis, did a concert. We had front row. I was so jealous. My dad got thrown the actual like cane that Alice Cooper was using during the show. So he got that signed. You got all these other guys showing up and they've got their vinyls and their posters. And I just pull a skull head out of my purse because, I mean, why not? <laughs> and so the, now I have a skull that says, you know, to Katie, love Alice Cooper. Fantastic. So, yeah. Fantastic. All right, so we've told you our collectibles, but let's actually get into our phrase, meat and potatoes of this episode. (laughs) Are collectibles a good investment? Are collectibles a good investment? I don't know, Katie. Tell me. So from a financial perspective, it is best to view a collection or collectibles as more of a hobby than a way to make money. Any potential monetary gain, you should view it as a bonus. It's yeah. it's a bonus of saying like, okay, you have a keen eye. You have good taste. You got a little extra money from it. I think one of the themes of our season this year is probably going to be side gigs. And uh, mm-hmm. buying and selling collectibles to make a little spare change is probably not a great side gig. I mean, really trying to, to do collectibles in any sort of way for profit is actually a lot of work. Yeah, you really, when you're looking at a collectibles, you've got to make that decision. Am I doing this for passion? Do I enjoy lighters? Do I enjoy this memorabilia? Or are you trying to make this a business? Because to get serious about it, you've got to think about the inventory. Where did this come from? Who did I buy it from? How much did I pay for it? Is it authenticated? Is it authenticated? What condition is it in? And mm-hmm. then from that, if it is something of value, insurance, appraisals, properly storing it. Oh, yeah. And and that's just dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. Environmental controls for stuff. I mean, you know, some of your high-end collectible stuff, it has to be stored in a very, very, like, humidity-free and Mm -hmm. no exposure to sunlight and all sorts of things like that. It must be properly lit. And, you know, it can get get expensive. Yeah, I found this quote, and I tried to find who said it, but so I'm just going to summarize kind of what it says is, The people in the best positions to potentially benefit from the long-term appreciation of collectibles are those who inherit existing collectibles from family members, friends, who have created this collection through the pursuit of their hobby that they are passionate about. So that was the key of, it's somebody was passionate about this and they inherited it. And it was kind of an accident if there was value to it. So, spoiler alert, if you're thinking about undertaking some sort of uh, collection to, as an investment is probably not the best investment unless it's something that you really love aside from its financial value. Yeah. If it's if it's if it's a collection of something that you actually take joy from for reasons other than just you hope to make a buck. So let's have some fun with it. Let's talk about some of the top ten most valued type of collectibles. Okay. Number one, the fine arts. So this is not your local artist around the corner. This is if you've got like a Van Gogh and I mean. So purchasing like statues and paintings and exactly, stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, coins, rare coins. Absolutely. This is, and this is something that coins and the next one stamps. We're not talking Franklin Mint coins here. No, this is not like those TV ads you would see. And it's <laughs> like, you can too have this. Okay, well you and every other sucker sitting on his couch bought those. Whoa, now Katie, we might have some listeners that actually like that stuff. They're not suckers necessarily. Okay, it's not they suckers because just... my dad, I think, gave me some of those because it was cool. <laughs> it was going to be a cool thing. Yeah. 
But yes, we're talking about like those old German coins or Russian, like different kinds of things that are historic that more than likely you found sitting in your grandparents or great grandparents' house and you decided to actually get an appraisal and figure out how much they were worth. And even with that, it's if you ever look back at some of these, it's all about was it a misprint? You know, who's willing to pay for this? There's a lot with that. But mm. coins and stamps kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, I think I do think of stamps when I think of coins for some reason. I, I don't yeah. collect either, but I think stamp collector, stamp collections and coin collections. Yeah. Um, thoroughbred horses. You know, that, Which, that's a collection. Having I mean, horses. I, you know, I guess the, the people that really are into horses, they probably do have a collection, but it's kind of funny to think of having a collection a living, of live animals. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but it's, it's part of it. Okay. Jules and Jims. Here we go with Miss Marilyn Monroe. Diamonds again. are a girl's best friend, baby. Dang it, you stole my line. I know. That's what Men I do. Men grow cold as girls grow old. <laughs> So, yes, yeah, so of course, if you've got like the Liz Taylor diamond, um, I mean, crazy things, you know, the heart of the ocean, going back to Titanic. Day. Yes, dear. <laughs> well, what about the Fabergé eggs? Oh, yes, the Fabergé eggs. Yes. Or an exhibit they had in Memphis that was about Russia, and they had, you know, Fabergé egg replicas. And Dear, do you collect yes. Fabergé? Well, with that, you've got exotic cars and classic cars, which oh, yeah. Jay Leno is a huge, huge collector of this. Huge, yes. You know, a little known fact, apparently it must be something that goes around in the late night because uh, Dave Letterman collects cars too. So, you know, apparently guys that, that they do They can the, continue to compete, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So, crazy. At what point does a vase become a vase? Like, uh, what's the price point? Well, well, funny you mentioned that because Chinese porcelain is another very valuable thing. Segway. Boom. Look at you go. That's my mom tells a story. Of course, there's three vases, vases, whatever, in their living room at their house. There's I, three vases. I thought the two matching ones were the really expensive ones, and it's really the singular one that was the expensive one. And when they got it, it wasn't that expensive. They found it in this old dusty little shop. They went back when I was a baby, so many, many moons ago. It was dusty, covered up, and they're like, uh, the lady's like, I didn't even know that was back there. Sure, I'll charge you this. And it wasn't until they were leaving to come back that it turned out they did some research and found out, oh, that was worth a lot. Mm. And so it's one of those, like, don't touch that. I'm more scared of it. Like, I don't want to get near it. I don't even know if I want them to give it to me because I'm scared I'll break it and it's bad. Some people collect wines, especially if you can afford to build an entire room onto your house so that you can have a room to store them in because you're going to need a wine cellar. But And you got to put it somewhere where some idiot's not going to walk in and be like, you hey. go, oh, have whatever you want. And then they go and get the wine that's sitting up with a shrine. $200,000 wine, yeah. Because they don't realize, oh, you don't drink that. Which, again, it's like, why get alcohol if you can't drink it? Mm. And then the last part, um, last one of the like major collectibles that are valuable is timepieces. Yes. Which us common folks, watches. Yeah, obviously. I guess it could also be like grandfather clocks, well, cuckoo clocks. It could yeah. be, but... The watches mainly. Like Neil mm. Armstrong, the watch that he wore when he took his you know, flight into space. You don't think about Neil wearing a watch under that big giant Stay Puff Marshmallow Man spacesuit. Apparently he, he did. That's cool. And Robert Downey Jr., he apparently is a huge collector of watches. Well, okay. So those are some things that you could invest some money in. And, you're, you know, if, if, you, if you buy correctly, then you could potentially... 
get your money back, maybe even make a dollar or two. But still, even then, it's not necessarily, you know, it's it's not, it's, we've got better ways that we can make your money grow for you. So as, a, as an investment opportunity, unless it's something you really love, then it's probably not worth like pouring a whole lot of finances into unless you want to be a dealer, unless you actually want to make it your full-time job and work hard at it. Well, and particularly with these that we talked about, you've got to understand the risk that you now have a target on you that you own this Fabergé egg or you own this crazy watch or something like that. Next thing you know, George Clooney's going to be busting up in your house. Exactly. Trying to steal Thomas Crown Affair. I think about him stealing the artwork. Oh, yeah. You've got all these movies about people finding these random, you know, rich people that have these things. And those, most of the time, they have crazy security systems and all of that, but there's still someone, that's their challenge. They want to get that. So if you're taking this on, there's a lot of risk with it. Yeah, you're going to need insurance. You got to have climate controlled rooms. You got to do, I mean, it's, it's expensive to collect expensive things, but uh, that's really not my wheelhouse. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm all about avoiding that risk. I'm all about just, I like to lean into my geeky geek. side. Yep, exactly. So there is a lot of geeky collections, and I think a lot of people can relate to these um, that have potential to make you millions, but there's, you know, caveats with everything. And so, stuff that, that I, I tend to be more passionate about this stuff. So, I mean, you know, if, if I'm going to collect something, it's going to be because I love it. So that's why I collected, you know, comic books for so long, because it was something that I bought and I read. I didn't just oh, buy it and bag it. I yeah. bought it and read it. That's the thing is, you read it. You got your fingerprint oils. You got all of that all up on that comic book. And so now the oils have damaged it. No. And it's not going to be worth as much. My it's, comic books are pristine, girl. I don't know what you're talking about. So it's, you know, I always picture Sheldon Cooper from Big Bang Theory in the comic book store and how they're freaking out with the new editions that come out. Mm -hmm. And I mean, people, we're talking, there's so many movies out there that get these limited edition comic books and collect them. One of them was originally sold for like 10 cents and then sold recently for $3 million. $3 million <laughs> from a 10 cent comic book. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, that was. That was the action yeah, comic. Was action with, comics number one. Yes. It was the Superman. original Superman comic. That was a big deal. I don't know if you know me, but I'm kind of a big deal. That's kind of what that comic book was basically saying to every other comic book in the world. That is the holy grail of comic books. Yeah, I mean, you've got you've got those iconic toys that we all played with, but then for some reason, if it's in pristine condition or if there was a... Still in box. Yeah. Mint in box. Exactly. Mm. Then they're worth a lot of money. Sports memorabilia, we talked about that. I mean, that's... it's. It, oh, yeah. But again, it's all on... How is their signature? What condition it is in? Is it a game used bat or ball? Is well, it and going along with sports, but way far exceeding just sports is trading cards and game cards. I mean, that that is a whole industry in and of itself. Uh, baseball cards, football cards. Cameron, uh, you were telling me earlier. You want to know what ten year old Cam used to collect? Yeah. What did you collect? Pokemon cards. Yeah, you did. Oh. And I was looking up, and in 2018, one sold for $224,000. Now, did you have that one? I did not. But you know what? <laughs> when I went to college, my parents threw away my binder of cards, uh. and every night, I curl up in the corner, and I cry. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that was our new, uh, our, our, our new section of the episode known as, What Makes Cam Cry? We'll be coming back at you every week with a new episode of What Makes Cam Cry.
But so that's a perfect example of Cam and his parents obviously had no idea with these cards that they were going to ever be worth anything. And so they're just like, oh, we're, you know, Cam's moved out. We're downsizing. Get rid of these. So it's, you've got these collectibles, whether you're sitting around with, you know, action figures like a G.I. Joe that sold for $200,000. So much of it, we see it as like, oh, that was your childhood toys. There's people out there that sometimes want these things. And baseball cards. I know my cousin Lee, um, he is a huge baseball card collector and has actually tried to educate me on like what's what's valuable and what's not. And it's all on like how many were produced and mm. you know what condition they're in and like even the tiniest little like corner bent down that devalues them so much. I mean I mean it's it's a business. I've always assumed, and I don't know anything about uh, trading cards. I've, I collected them when I was a kid. I collected football cards and uh, Star Wars cards when I was a kid. Um, Star Wars cards were, were huge when I was a kid. Um, oh, Star Wars. Do you know that's a whole that's collection? That's a whole industry. Listen, one of the... Okay. Whole thing. I'm going to go on a little tangent. Cut me off if I get too long. But one of the most brilliant things that, that George Lucas ever did was hold on to those rights to the um, to the merchandise. The merchandising rights for his Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, he, he let them have distribution and all of that other stuff. But he kept the merchandising rights and then made a bucket ton of money. Yeah, my brother is a huge Star Wars fan. And I've become one because he was such a fan. He's got like a life-size replica of Yoda that just, you know, sits in the corner of his house. But the funniest thing is I remember when we were younger, we had, it was when the Natalie Portman, Princess Amidala. Episode one. Okay, yeah. So they had the shampoo and conditioner and body wash bottles that were like the heads on top of it. And my brother had them in the bathroom. And we it, we were living at my parents' house. We shared a bathroom. Well, the, he just had them as like displays. Well, I used one of them once. And it was like... <laughs> The world ended because I have now tainted them and they are no longer valuable. Of course, I went to his house a couple, like, I guess about a year or so ago and saw that they were still in the bathroom, but his daughter was using them as bath toys. (laughs) Kids will change you. Oh, yeah, they will. But yeah, so Star Wars stuff is gangbusters. Movie collectibles, obviously, the random things, um, like... The Cowardly Lion costume that was worn, probably sweated all up in, sold for $3 million. I mean, I'm down with the the costume as as a collectible until you start talking about somebody sweating all up in it. And then I'm like, oh, that's kind of gross. I don't want that. Well, the thing is you would get it though and you'd have to then just display it somewhere. It's not like you're going to go have one drunk night and sit on your couch and watch the Cowardly Lion, wear the Cowardly Lion costume and be like, hey y'all, I paid $3 million and now I'm wearing this. I don't know. I probably would be the type of person that would be like, yeah, I'm going to put this on because, of course, going to get down with this cowardly lion. So, I mean, one of the things that you look, obviously, we're very much into the stuff that we're talking about right now. And that's, again, it's back to that idea of are you collecting something because you're passionate about it or are you collecting something because you want to make a profession of it? Because... To make a profit on buying and selling of collectibles, it is a full-time job. It is not some side gig that you can just, you know, earn an extra buck here or there. Sure, you might make a few dollars, but if you really want to 
like make a living, actually turn your money to, to work for you, w- dealing in collectibles, then it's a full-time job. And it's a hard job and it's an expensive job. So are you doing this just because you're passionate about something? I, obviously, I'm passionate about collectibles. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not so passionate about... I, I'm, th- there are a couple of artists that I really like their paintings that I wouldn't mind having on my wall, but I can't afford. So, you know, I, I'm yeah. not real passionate about fine art or anything. Not real passionate about baseball, but you are. So that's something that you collect. So if it's something you're passionate about, then it's, the, again, I think we said this earlier, but if you're, are, if you're collecting something because you're passionate about it, then you enjoy it for just having it and mm-hmm. possessing it. And maybe you pass it on to your heirs. The fact that it might turn a profit someday is just a fringe benefit. It's just a cherry on top. Yeah. It's, it's so much of it. You need to look at it as it is a hobby. It's something that tells a story and that means something to you, but... I will tell a story. Um, I had a, a close relative that he collected Playboy magazines. Mm, sure. And I'm talking... Know, I know of a man or two that have. I'm talking like had every, pretty much every one published. Mm-hmm. Had all of them. Wow. And now I don't know the condition they were in. I mean, I feel like they were pretty pristine, but it's one of those when he passed away, another relative came in and took them. And got rid of them very quickly for nothing. Hmm. And that's one of those where I, not that I care about Playboy. I don't really know much about it. I mean, I know about Hugh Hefner and stuff like that. But that's something where it would mean more to look at it and investigate the value. Seek out someone to help find somebody who is interested in these and turn a profit if you wanted to. Or hold on to them because it is more of like a reminder and an heirloom. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Nostalgia. And so I think that's so important of if you are collecting stuff and it's passionate and means something to you, then tell the story. Whether your heirs that you give it to in your estate plan or if it's just an unsaid thing and you're giving it to them, maybe at least educate them on the value of them. Not that you're ever going to sell it, but just in case they ever want to sell it, that they understand that this isn't just something you lump in with other stuff. That if, it does have value. If it's something you're passionate about, but maybe the, you're, you're, the people that are going to inherit it from you are not passionate about, then it does help to let them know what it's about. And listen, I've drawn up many, many wills uh, and trusts that discuss in detail a person's whatever collection and what should be done with it mm-hmm. and how it should be treated and how it should be sold if it's going to be sold. And... You know, so it's in, it, the, the keep in mind that if you're on the other side of that, if you're a person who is receiving this collection, maybe it's not something that you're passionate about, but chances are it's something that whoever you're receiving it from was passionate about. So, you know, respect that, look into it, sort of try and find out what it was, what what the value is, what it meant to them. If you don't want to keep it, then that's fine. But if there's a value to it, then certainly don't just discard it. So while investments wouldn't necessarily be uh, the the right way you, collectibles wouldn't necessarily be the right way to invest your money for a profit for yourself. It's also not something that you just want to toss away. Well, and we talked about the risk of having these valuable things and having a target on you, but there's also the risk that collectibles are something that the market is very volatile. It is greatly influenced by pop culture, by trends, by shifting you know personal things and even politics that. Something that was so valuable and wonderful one day is not the next. I keep getting reminded of Beanie Babies. 
Mm-hmm. Beanie Babies was going to be the biggest thing. We all were going to get so rich off of the Beanie Babies. And really, I think today, the Princess Diana Beanie Baby is the only one that is still has somewhat of a market. Mm-hmm. And it may even be that eBay just has crazy listings and no one's actually buying it. I can't help but wonder if my Princess Di Beanie Baby isn't up in the attic at my parents' house somewhere. And it I could mean, be. There's a Princess Di on eBay right now. For $665,000. That's crazy. Goodness gracious. I owned one of those. Yeah. I owned one. England's rose. It had the little rose. on the. <laughs> I had a, a Princess Di Beanie Baby. What? That's crazy. Well, yeah. and it, it's, you think about some of these books you get and collect. Like, okay, I got to throw this one out there, Court. I thought about you. Harry Potter. There's Love a, it. There's Harry Potter book. Love it already. First edition. Tell me the story. Went for 40. Spill the tea. Went for $45,000. What? But see then, Harry Potter for you, and then F. Scott Fitzgerald, The Great Gatsby for me. That one. (laughs) Oh, my lamb. Did y'all see the shade she just threw at me? She's like, you get the children's book, and I'm going to take the intellectual uh, fiction literature. (laughs) Great Gatsby. With the perfect dust jacket, of course, it had to be in perfect condition. Mm. Does not look like the, you know, Fitzgerald and the Kennedys book that I have that's falling apart, but I actually love because it shows that it was well loved. But so this Gatsby book that was in perfect condition went for $400,000. I prefer my books not well loved. That's just weird. So there's a lot out there. There is collectibles. You've got to decide what you're going to collect, what's important to you. I mean, you see these Pawn Star shows and you see these antique road shows. And really a lot of times what happens is these sellers can kind of smell it. They can smell that someone is just trying to make a quick buck off of something Mm -hmm. versus they understand the passion. And I do want to throw it in there. Like we do have some clients that are collectibles of like, cars and they'll rebuild them or they'll do whatever it is and sometimes they do have to sell them and so it's one of those you can usually tell the passion behind it of like I really don't want to get rid of this but I know that this is the best because I need to help a grandkid go to college or something like that and so I think it's when you're looking at collectibles and you're collecting you look at it as what do you love what are you passionate about and yeah it'd be great to figure out it's worth something for like your internal bragging rights But if you're trying to collect to actually make a profit, that is a business. Mm -hmm. That is your blood, sweat, and tears trying to find the people that see it as value. So basically what we're telling you is, obviously, uh, if there's any financial advice to be had from this episode, it's go out and start a comic book collection. Because obviously comic books are awesome and nothing else is. Yeah, no. Unless you're (laughs) going to have... Everything's set up to take care of them and make sure they're right and that you have those buyers lined up. Now, if you want to collect comic books because you think they're cool and you Because they're awesome? I'm not knocking them. I think they're great. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I don't knock that my cousin collects baseball cards because I think it's awesome. He's passionate about it. He loves it. And he's found a niche of people that he can trade back and forth with. And it's a fun hobby for him doing that. Yeah, do something you're passionate about and don't, don't, I mean... Bottom line is, really, we just, I I personally, I just wanted to do this episode to talk about comic books. Um, But do something that you're, collect something that you're passionate about. I mean, I love having the collections that I do, and I I almost get a little bit OCD about the whole thing. 
um, like just in terms of the, the, the way that I collect things. And when I start collecting something, I almost become like really, really laser focused on that thing. Cause you're doing while. it for pleasure. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is. Yeah. Um, so do, do something, you know, collect something that you're passionate about. Uh, co- collecting is, is, is just like any other passion. You may, maybe you don't love collections. Maybe, maybe you don't love collecting things, but maybe you love travel or maybe you love reading mm-hmm. or maybe you love, uh, I don't know, going and seeing live music, whatever your passion is, obviously take that and, 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 and be that, be passionate about that. Well, I mean, you've kind of already done it, but I feel like. We're in our sophomore year. We got to keep the bullseye around. So let's bullseye this episode. Mm. I guess you uh, you bring up a good point, Katie. We like to take these episodes and break them down into uh, one, two, three, maybe, maybe if y'all are lucky. I'm just saying, if you're lucky, maybe three takeaways from the episode. So Katie, why don't you give me your takeaway? What is your bullseye? Bullseye. Figure out why you're collecting it. Are you collecting it because it feels good and it's your passion and you enjoy what you're doing? Or are you trying to make money out of it? Figure that out and then that will guide you on your path you need to go to. But it's one of those, if you are a collector, please just make sure that you let people know what it is and their value because I would hate for something to happen to you and then someone not appreciate what you've collected. So, I mean, that, that is my, that's my heartfelt. I love collectibles. I think it's important. I think it tells a story and I'm very passionate. One thing I didn't mention is my, my grandmother, her, um, she's a Campbell and everything that I see Campbell soup related reminds me of her. And so for the rest of my life, I will always collect Campbell soup things because it means something to me. It doesn't matter if it's value or not. Mm. So that would be my bullseye. Court, what about you? Ladies and gentlemen, that is Katie's bullseye. And my bullseye is this. Um, Collectibles. Basically, Katie found somewhere on the interwebs, uh, I think it was CNBC, that somebody said basically, you know, financial advisors, four out of five financial advisors agree that if you are into collectibles, then it shouldn't probably make up more than 5% of your net worth. Um, so but at the most 10, at the most 10. So, so, you know, you've got kind of a target there where, you know, don't have all your money tied up into this, no matter how obsessed you are about it. But <laughs> again, beep, pick something that you're passionate about and have fun with it. The whole reason that we did this episode is because we, there are some, st- there are some things out there that we love and that we love to collect. I like to have around my house because I like to look at it. And so do it because you love it. But Make sure that you've got your priorities straight and that you, you know, you, as we said in our very first episodes last season, make sure that you've got that savings. Make sure that you've got some investments. Make sure that you're, you know, you've got the, because investments, I mean, investing in collectibles, you're not going to just be able to go out and turn that into cash tomorrow. That liquidity nope. is not there. That is, that in terms of levels of liquidity in collectibles is like, you got to find the right buyer. So have your priorities straight. But, you know, if you if you love it and you want it, then absolutely go forth and collect. Bullseye. Katie, what was that noise? 
Why is it closing bell? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, closing time. That was the closing bell. You have made it to the end of possibly your first or maybe yet another episode of Bullcast Podcast. Hopefully not your last. Hopefully not your last. Ladies and gentlemen, if you liked what you heard, then please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and subscribe to Bullcast the Podcast. Leave us a comment. We love to hear what you have to say. We'd love to get some feedback on what's working for you and what's not. Also, you can reach out to us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at BullCastPodcast. And if you'd like to see some pictures of me and or Katie, I don't recommend it, especially not of me. Or Cameron. Yeah, he always ends up looking pretty. Cameron is in charge of the camera, and somehow Cameron is the one that always ends up not looking like a troll. I, on the (laughs) other hand, I look terrible. But you can look at every single picture of me looking like a troll uh, on Instagram. (laughs) Our Instagram handle is at Bullcast Podcast. Finally, you can also check out our website. Maybe communicate with us a little bit. Uh, Leave us a message, send us a note, suggest a topic. If there's something that you would like to hear us talk about, please go to our website and let us know. That website is bullcastpodcast.com. Finally, uh, as we have mentioned many times before, Katie and I both work for a firm, a financial advisory firm known as Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about that firm, more about our team, our amazing team, and our boss, David Pickler, then you can find out all of the things that you want to know at that website. That is PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. Katie, is that advisors with an O or an E? Advisors with an O, not an E. Advisors with an O, not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, I've given you plenty of homework. So, go, be merry, do things, huzzah, we are done. I'm Court. I'm Katie. And if you happen to be strolling the streets of Louisville, Mississippi in 2006 and seeing a binder of Pokemon cards in the trash bin, hit me up. (laughs) We out.